Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, welcome back to the afternoon here on AusBiz as we kick off the PM with The Call. 10 stocks that you've suggested. I put them to our two experts for their adjudication and a whole lot more. And uh, let's get stuck into it. And on this second of the second 22, uh, let's welcome Carl Kapalinga from Thick Markets in WA. Carl, welcome. It's good to see you, big fella. Good morning over here, Koshi and sunny Western Australia. The weather is perfect. The borders are closed. Couldn't be happier, I can tell you. Uh, Good afternoon everywhere else on the uh, East Coast, of course. (laughs) Carl's become a bit of a hobbit, I think. Uh, uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, don't you think? Sort of he's in his little burrow there. Uh, Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, good good luck with the, the reopening uh, at some stage when it happens in 2024 when there's no one left in WA because everyone left to come to the East Coast. There's, there's nothing left there anymore. Um, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll have uh, five uh, five shots by then, I'd say. We'll be quintuple vaxxed. Yeah, Carl, Just because a lot of your, your leading WA business uh, leaders, the, the Perth corporate elite, uh, are moving out and relocating. I noticed Richard Goiter's moving out. Um, yeah. uh, whole, whole, Rob Scott. Yeah, look, I mean, there, there has been a bit of a backlash, I guess, from um, sort of uh, business, um, uh, uh, what are you, sort of industry, you know, talk, talking heads and, uh, and, and as you say, uh, some of the quote-unquote leaders moving out. But I think, you know, the general feeling on the ground here is that uh, people aren't unhappy with uh, with the developments. But, you look, know, look, um, Henry's right, at some stage, we're going to have to join the rest mm. of the uh, universe there. And um, yeah, it's just a matter of, uh, of, of, of getting getting ready for it. But uh, no, I don't want to get political. I don't, I don't want to comment on that. Let's talk about um, stocks. What do we, we can talk about West Coast Eagles if you feel like. Well, and they'll have to relocate to a hub in Melbourne. But well, uh, that's, yeah, maybe I, I think, think the big issue with Bali is reopening. So. I reckon that for Western Australians is going to be the biggest thing. If you can't get to Bali, that will be. And that's the thing that will yes, that that's the thing that will absolutely hurt the most. No doubt. My, my colleague on Saturday, Natalie Barr, she went to Bali before she came to the East Coast as a kid. So I think she's uh, uh, pretty representative. All right, let's get um, stuck into the stocks we need to look at this week uh, or, or today. The first half of the show, we're going to take a look at Macquarie Group, Neo Metals, Accent Group. Bet makers and Miso Blast, a good mix of stocks. But the thing I love is the questions you've asked with those stocks. Really interesting questions. So um, I can't wait to get to them. But first up, stock of the day. I thought I'd take a look at Amcor, the big packaging group, uh, reaffirming its fiscal 2022 outlook this morning, launching an extra $200 million share buyback set to begin in August. This is the packaging giant confirms it's seeking full year adjusted EPS growth 
uh, between uh, 7 and 11%. Uh, net sales up 12% in the first six months of the year to nearly 7 billion US dollar shareholders. We'll also get a, a 12 US cent per share dividend. Uh, Ancor shares dipping um, a bit this morning on that announcement. Um, Henry, what did you think of the update and Ancor's stock price? Uh, well, Koshi, let's face it, the only people who get excited about packaging are kids on Christmas morning, uh, and they get more excited about the, uh, the packaging than the presents inside. And there's nothing very exciting to, uh, to Amcor, really. It has relocated, in some respects, to uh, New York with that acquisition, the $9 billion acquisition of Bemis. The, the thing about Amcor and the thing that is interesting is that it, it touches so many of our lives with all its packaging if you pardon the slight pun there. Uh, and it is all about controlling those raw material costs. And, you know, although we're seeing inflation in Australia, and yesterday we had the RBA talking about inflation, you know, not being too much of a problem here as it is elsewhere, this is, this is the world's biggest global packaging company. And clearly it is seeing the effect of raw material increases. And that is something they pass on customers, as we know. But uh, it doesn't make them the most exciting stock growth-wise in the world. They are looking at, uh, at emerging markets. They're also looking at medicines and the packaging there, meat packaging as well, um, to sort of grow their business. But it's not the most exciting of business, is it? Let's face it, we, uh, we, we don't get that excited about packaging most of the time. And it is all about those raw material costs. For me, at these kind of levels, it's a hold. But it's it's more interesting to look through of what's happening in the real world with packaging costs and being right. passed on to consumers, which we're all seeing. So here it's a hold. It's not got a bad yield, four uh, percent roughly. Uh, the dividend is in U.S. dollars, so um, that kind of mm. wings around a little bit. But um, there's no franking involved in that. I guess you know. Um, if, if we do see the, the, the raw material costs come down and those packaging prices can stick, there is a bit of growth there. But uh, for me, it's just a bit dull, a bit, bit boring. boring. And um, yeah, it's it's a hold at best. There's nothing very exciting about Amcor, to be honest. Uh, Carl, are you excited about Amcor? No, I'm not. Not not very excited at all. But, you know, hey, I don't mind dull and boring. I don't mind dull and boring for the right type of investor. Investor that's, um, I guess, really risk averse, uh, looking to looking more for capital stability uh, than to shoot the lights out on their investment returns because, you know, effectively that's what they're living off or that's what they want to leave behind. I don't know why you do that. Uh, but, that you know, it, right uh, stop for the right investor. So dull and boring is good, but it still needs to be the right price. And, I, look, Amcor whilst it is probably a very stable stock, I just don't think it's cheap enough to buy. I'm with Henry on that. There's not enough growth in the business, I think, to adjust to justify the current valuation. It's only about 14 to 15 times uh, current year's earnings. But you're probably looking about uh, three, four, if I was really optimistic, I could put in my spreadsheet 5% growth per annum uh, for the next uh, few FYs. Um, so not enough to get excited about on that basis. Um, just on in terms of why maybe um, for people who have the stock, they're wondering why it's down today. And it is mainly to do with um, their, so they, they've, they've reported um, some uh, an increase in sales, about 12% increase in sales. So on the face of it, you go, well, that's an that's a really good uh, growth in sales. They've reaffirmed their um, their target um, 
of 7 to 11% uh, EPS growth. And, and on the face of it, that looks pretty good, but um, they're kind of achieving that through these price increases. So if your sales are up 12%, but you increase prices by about 15%, um, there's right. a little bit of a disconnect there. So if, if they can't continue to increase prices and they're still hunting on, they're still trying to do that. The, the, the rhetoric is we're going to, wherever we can, try and recoup these prices. At some point, you get to the, gonna, you're going to get to the stage where, where um, the end user will just say, no, look, we, we will just not pay that. And then your, your demand potentially falls. Uh, so I think that's that's the risk for Amcor. And I think that's what investors are reacting to today. But I'm with Henry. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm a hold. I'm, I'm probably just, I'm, 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 I'm a part. I don't think you need to own it uh, in, in your defensive portfolio, and you certainly don't own it in your growth portfolio either. Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that you suggested. I love this from Jane. It's a, it's a bit long, a bit wordy, but I think Jane sums up a lot of investors. Jane wants a view on Macquarie Group. Um, she said, new investor, uh, avid watcher all the time. I want to streamline my top 10 stocks based on all the experts' advice on this wonderful show. So she watches all you guys and loves what you have to say. I'm after the, the best run companies on the ASX for long-term uh, long -term steady gain. I'm risk averse in both capital growth and decent dividends. So slow and steady wins the race. Uh, I can't go back over all of the podcasts and the VODs uh, to see what everyone has said, but has heard Macquarie Group mention does that fit my shopping list of the best 10? What are the risks? What are the key things to look out for with, with the company? Um, and um, she noticed our, our crash stock list of last October, Macquarie was on it from some of her experts, but she said a lot happens uh, since October. Is it still the case? Uh, Henry, what do you think of Macquarie? For an investor like Jane, long-term, five to 20 year investment, Risk averse wants good steady growth. Uh, great question, Jane. Great question. I think the key to it is the risk adverse. And, um, you know, it is not without risks. This is a company that is very much geared to financial markets, no matter which way you cut it. Don't forget back in the GFC days, which weren't that long ago. What are we talking now? Uh, 13, 14 no, it wasn't that long ago that we had the GFC. 2009. Eight, eight, nine. Yep. 2008, 2009. Um, you know, Macquarie was under 20 bucks. Here we are at nearly 200 bucks. So this is certainly not for the risk adverse. Having said that, this is one of our forever stocks. I, I worked at Macquarie for seven years, many moons ago, and these guys are pretty good operators to say the least they have changed their business model from the more volatile earnings from trading and that side of things into more funds under management asset management infrastructure management they've also tilted big time towards the us uh, which has really been a, a huge benefit for them it is a quality quality operation whether it was under alan moss or nick moore or shamara uh, this is an absolute quality for stock but it is not necessarily for the risk adverse because it does carry risk we can see during the last sort of uh, shakeout how far the stock fell down to uh, around 180 so it is not without risk what i find interesting at the moment of course is when you look at macquarie you think of goldman sachs these are two very very similar businesses if you look at the way macquarie tracked the goldman sachs share price 
uh, you will see that they are they do tend to move in lockstep. And what was interesting was when the Goldman Sachs results came out in the US, there was a lot of talk from Goldman Sachs about price pressures, about pay pressures, about competition for staff and the brains, the rainmakers. Now, we haven't seen any comments from Macquarie on this. And Macquarie tend to not be front-end loaded with their salaries. They tend to be back-end loaded with bonuses. Uh, so that, that is an important consideration to make. But uh, bear that in mind because there are cost pressures at the moment. We are seeing a bonanza in M&A activity. We're seeing a bonanza for investment banks. And those cost pressures are there in good staff, retaining good staff. This is a forever stock, Jane, I have to say. Uh, this is one that you should continue to hold, but it is not without risks. Uh, it has a pretty good yield for a risk kind of uh, investment in the banking side of things. Quality management, quality risk control, which is paramount for an investment bank. Great business model, great management, great brains. Um, okay. But um, it, there are, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Okay, so you'd say top 10, risk averse, to Jane's requirement, no to Macquarie. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, well I, it, give it us a stop. It would be in my would. top 10, but not necessarily. Uh, if, if you want to go risk adverse, then you, you know, have to look at something like CSL, especially at these levels at the moment, around you know, 262 right. or whatever it is at the moment. That, that's a far less risky proposition, but probably Macquarie has got the turbocharged growth. It, for me, it's still a top 10 stock, probably number one or two, but it does have risks which you need to be aware of. Okay. So for an everyday investor, you'd be with the pullback in Macquarie is still goodbye? Uh, I think it's got potential upside. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. Uh, Carl, what do you think? Yeah, it looked pretty similar to Henry on this one. Picked up on uh, those two words, risk averse, in uh, the question. So, yeah, I, I agree. This is not really for your risk averse. It's for, for, for people who uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, are building for a time that have more time uh, to ride out those inevitable lumps and bumps that Macquarie is going to experience because it's going to cycle, probably not so much with the business cycle, but more with the financial market cycle. And may maybe we've just seen a peak. Maybe we have. Uh, and, and, and therefore, it's, you know, it's quite timely to talk about Macquarie Bank. Um, I do like the business, though. I echo everything uh, Henry said. Uh, but, yeah, maybe it's not for um, for this. Uh, sorry, so forgotten for her name uh, for Jane and maybe not specifically for Jane I will note that you know management are pretty bullish and so so getting to this next point which is hey the most risk averse stock is the one that always goes up forever Koshi to be fair yeah. um, you know management are pretty bullish at the moment so the other part of Jane's question was you know can we look for any commentary uh, within um, their releases to get a clue of where they're at uh, management are very bullish at the moment so they did big capital raising um, late last year to because they just see so many opportunities um, to, to deploy that capital. Uh, they've cut their dividend payout ratio. So if you're looking for sort of signs that this business is gearing up for a big push, um, they would be it. So look, we definitely like Macquarie at Think Markets. We've got a fair valued uh, target of uh, about 204. It's not far off um, the rest of the brokers at 207. So about you know, nine or 10% upside um, on the capital gain, about 3% dividends, total shareholder return uh, in the double digits. So pretty pretty happy with it there. I think um, given the, the uncertainty around financial markets, as I, as I said, whatever you're looking to put into it, if you are that longer term growth oriented investor, divide that in two, pick a little bit up now because you're taking advantage of the dip and then yeah. look to pick up um, the other half as it starts to get, okay. get back and to those heights. Another alternative for Jane, 
in her top 10? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard because I, I am a growth-oriented investor. I'm not really oh. that defensive risk averse, so I'm not looking for those particular stocks. My crash stock from last year was Goodman Group, yep. uh, which I would still say it's one you look to pick up in a crash. It's done really, really well in this pullback. It's, it's bouncing very strongly. And anything that's bouncing strongly in this pullback is something you need to look at. Anything that hasn't bounced is something you need to look at yep. to get rid of out of your portfolio. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, Jane. Great question and, uh, and really good comments from uh, both Henry and Carl. Uh, Nino, Carl wants a view on Neo Metals, um, the, one of the top performers of the one stock pick that we had yesterday, uh, uh, last year, a, a series yeah. on a stock that could change your life. And uh, Nino, quite rightly, points out, Carl, you picked uh, Neo Metals. It's up 220% since then. Would like to know, please, if these stocks are, are still being held, um, have they or would they add to them if profits or profits should be taken and re-enter mm. these stocks uh, at a different time? Of course, Neo Metals is in the lithium business, but in battery recycling, titanium projects, uh, a refinery as well. So not just a lithium miner car. Yeah, they've got, a, they've got a few projects in the offing, but generally yep. all based around sort of electric uh, batteries, you know, yep. and, and uh, the inputs and then uh, the end stage, the recycling. That's probably their biggest opportunity uh, is they've sort of they've got this pilot plant over in Germany. Uh, they're very late stages in developing that. And they're probably looking to uh, start to get some revenue from that very soon from um, from shredding the batteries. But then later down the track, um, as they as they if, if we do get the final go ahead on that, that should happen around the middle of the year to actually recycling those batteries. The is to become the largest battery recycler in Europe. Um, and that's everything I talked about um, in the middle of last year when I tipped it as, as sort of my one um, portfolio stock. Uh, since then, they've actually um, obviously progressed uh, that project, but also signed um, a, a JV uh, to, to do a very similar uh, project in North America as well. So to, to obviously target um, that emerging um, EV battery market. Um, so of course we know that um, you know, we know about the EV, impending EV uh, battery boom, but at the end of um, at the end of their life, about seven to ten years, you've got to do something with it. So that's the opportunity. So when I'm looking for a stock which could be that that major portfolio winner, the ten bagger, I, I want to see that sort of opportunity. And I think it's still there with Neo Metals. The only problem is I like to see it at a really good valuation as well. Mm. So when I first tipped it, it had a market cap or an enterprise value because it had about $100 million in the bank. It had about a $300 million oh. market cap, but about $100 million in the bank. So at a $200 million enterprise value, um, that tipped about a billion um, not that long ago at the mm. highs. So you're not getting in at the sort of ground level when I tipped it. And that would be the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about now. Um, so we talk about, so I talk a lot about, I do webinars for my clients each Tuesday, and we talk about the stocks in their portfolio, and we talk about managing your exit, quote unquote, this concept of managing your exit. We don't like to be all in, we get in in stages, we equally don't like to be all out because you don't know what you might miss out on. But this is one which I would start to put into that category of managing one's exit. So looking to you know, take partial profits on here, pay back your original investment, uh, and then potentially um, you know, ride, uh, ride with your, your, your profits from here. I still think the chart looks very, very solid. It's still bottom left, top right. If you've got it, stick with it. But if it starts to show these signs, these big black candles coming in, these higher, uh, these, these upper shadows on the chart, if you don't know what candlesticks are, go and learn about them, that's when you would start to manage your exit. So it's, it's definitely a hold for now, but I don't know if I'd be getting in with fresh money just yet. Okay, and maybe look at taking some profits if you've run it all the way up. Uh, Henry? 
Um, well, Carl's obviously the expert on this one. I, I must admit, I've looked at this in the past and been quite a fan, mainly on the recycling theme more than anything else, because there is going to be a massive problem with uh, with these lithium-ion batteries down the track, and it's not one that's really being addressed as yet. And, and at the moment, it is very, a very manual process to recycle lithium-ion batteries. These guys um, are certainly going to be at the forefront in Europe of that, and uh, of course, you know, when you look at a Tesla, the battery lasts eight years, it's got to be replaced. Uh, you know, the, well, it may not last eight years, it may last longer, but that's the, the, the warranty period anyway. But at some stage, it's going to be replaced, and that's very costly. Um, recycling is going to be a significant opportunity. It's run pretty hard, I've got to say. I'm with Carl with this one. It has run pretty hard, and I am a massive believer of taking profits along the way. Uh, I do like to uh, to lock in some money. It does give you the opportunity as well to have a free ride in things. I mean, if you've, if you've got something and it doubles and you sell half of it, the rest of it is kind of free. So you can then uh, sit back, relax, and see how the world pans out. So I would certainly be uh, taking profits. You know, it's not a $200, $300 million company anymore. It is a billion-dollar company, and that does scare me. People tend to look at charts and they forget the market caps. They tend to look at charts and look at the, all the technical and market that these things suddenly become very, very big valuations and they've got to consistently actually keep delivering news. And for me, it's a good one to take profits. And if it popped up above 160, I'd be taking profits again here at 147 and a bit. Uh, maybe it's got a little bit of upside to come, especially if we see a revival in lithium. Uh, stories at the moment, but uh, you know, at the first sign of trouble, these tend to tip over quite quickly. <laughs> yep. So okay. uh, just lock in profits along the way, sell into strength. All right. Okay. Yeah. You know, there you go. Um, Henry Nicky wants to view on Accent Group, the uh, uh, footwear uh, retailer, 600 stores across 26 different banners um, um, and uh, distribution rights for. Uh, 18 international brands been hit a bit in the last quarter, but um, but over the 12 month it's it's looked okay. Yeah, they they really suffered from a lack of foot traffic at the moment. Ah, uh, boom. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't to resist it. it. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Um, well, let's face it, you know, these guys were doing pretty well up till the Omicron lockdown. Uh, unfortunately, Perth and WA can't support a business like this alone. So um, it does struggle on the East Coast to some extent. They have built up their online presence. And Brett Blundy is the man who is probably one of the, uh, the best retail brains in Australia. Uh, he has a significant stake in this one and has been driving this one uh, for some time. Uh, between Brett and Solly, it's probably Lime Ball, who is the best retailer, and maybe Jerry Harvey in there. We do actually, when you think about it, we do have a nation of uh, some pretty good yeah. retail uh, CEOs between Jerry, um, Solly Lou, and uh, and Brett Blundy. It's we probably punch above our weight. There's not too many duds out there, and the and the um, the JB Hi-Fi guy, Richard, uh, was it him? I can't remember. He he did a spectacular job as well. Um, I like this one here. We're coming out of Omicron. We are getting back to school and uh, life is getting back to normal. Our, our fear, our self-imposed lockdowns that we saw in uh, uh, Christmas and January were, were primarily based around events 
You know, if someone is uh, going away for Christmas or is having a big party or a new year, you don't want to go out and be sociable. You don't want to go out and shop and risk getting COVID and stuff up your plans. But now we are getting on top of this thing. Uh, we do seem to have hit the peak, although maybe schools back will uh, will hurt that a little bit. But schools back could be good for these guys as well. Don't forget, everyone's going to be out there yeah. shopping for new uh, trainers uh, and new class commandos for uh, for accent groups. So I like this one here. Uh, quality retail company All right. benefit from from uh, you can obviously remember class commandos. Yep. Uh, quality company. I it is a buy here. Okay, a buy. Uh, were they the ones that had a compass in the heel uh, some years, or and and the or the secret compartment that you could peel back the sole or shift it and put little notes in it? They were the days with the tiger prints on the anyhow. Very too they old. were. They were exactly. <laughs> we're, showing our, we're showing our age. Uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, Carl, what do you think of accent? Yeah, like I haven't heard of the the Clark's Commandos. Oh, but, don't uh, give thought, me maybe, that. No. <laughs> but I thought maybe uh, maybe you guys, you might have been a Dunlop Volleys kind of uh, kind of chaps or the, the old K twenty sixes or they. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, look, all uh, jokes aside, for accent, they're, they're having a little bit of a tricky time, obviously, in just navigating. I mean, they were they were going really well up until sort of October last year. Uh, I don't need to explain why things have unravelled a little bit for them, um, and. and Part of it is sort of when you when you hit this when your stores have to close um, or you've got limited trading, you kind of have to dump a lot of inventory because a lot of the inventory is seasonal. So that um, impacts profits, and then markets get cranky because you're not hitting those expectations of growth that you had uh, prior to that that incident. And this one is is and, and probably was priced for growth. Um, so, so it becomes a little bit more vulnerable uh, when, when something doesn't go right because so you don't have that sort of um, that valuation protection of you know of, that, of, 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 of a low PE, and I think that's why it's struggling a little bit. But there is, as, as Henry said, I won't um, go over the, the old ground here. There is a lot to like in the business, and assuming things get back to normal, it's probably going to get back to some really decent growth. And the, the question just becomes, well, what is normal? And, and as we go through this crisis, I am reassessing more and more what I thought is normal, and I'm. Too Doing it every day as an analyst, uh, and my my view of normal is very different from what it was three months ago and six months ago. And I'm happy to admit I have been very wrong on, on on how a lot of this has played out. And for me, that just creates uncertainty. So I get the point there. I think this is a great company. I think it's starting to look really cheap here, actually. But the risk levels are probably just too high for me to get in. And I think all of that's being reflected in the chart. We've gone from a pretty good uptrend to now to this transitional phase where we're starting potentially even to move into a downtrend. So it's just reflecting the market's uncertainty. Until the market gets a bit of confidence back, I can't get my confidence back because I'm a technical analyst. So it's just a pass for me. If you've got it, hold it on the basis of the quality. But I don't think I'd be buying it right now. Okay. All right. Lucas, Carl, want to be on bet makers. Uh, Lucas says... Uh, I'm underwater 45%. Uh, company has a strong balance sheet, no debt. Uh, latest results for two previous quarters were strong. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, not just strong. I mean, um, amazing. They're, they're just doing so well at the moment. So if you don't know what they do, they're, they're kind of the back end solution uh, for a lot of um, 
uh, bookmakers and, and online uh, bookmakers, and, and that's you know obviously a, a growth industry. Uh, first thing I'll say about this is before you invest of it, invest in it, understand what it does, and be comfortable with what it does. If you don't like what they do, uh, then then clearly you, you need to stop listening now. If you don't care what they do and you're only interested in making money, you know you're a, you're a capitalist. Uh, then I think there's a, there's a really exciting business here. Um, a couple of issues. Uh, which might explain why, uh, let me find his name, Lucas is underwater 45%. So um, Tom Waterhouse, we all know who he is. Um, they've done a bit of a, a deal there where uh, Waterhouse is going to send them some uh, some business um, and he's going to get some options for that, which he's converting into shares and which, um, looking at the share price, I'm guessing he has been sell selling quite um, aggressively into the market. That's just a guess, uh, so, uh, just so I don't get sued. Um, but I think that is, that is sort of just dragging on the price. Um, the other point I'll make here is as good as something sounds, and this goes back to that neo-metals discussion, uh, things are going to sound fantastic for these emerging stocks, these growing stocks, these game-changing, disruptive stocks, right? They're going to sound fantastic and the chart's going to go vertical until they don't. Uh, and then you have to be a little bit smart and play the momentum and then look to get out and go on to the next thing. So I'm not saying Neometals is terrible. The story is just as good today as it was when I discussed it in the middle of last year. Um, it's just that we're two years away from getting any money out of it and everybody knows about it now. When I talked about it, very few people knew about it. So Betmakers went through this similar sort of cycle. How do we bring this back to, back to Betmakers? It went from a stock that nobody knew about, even when I first started covering it, to with great potential, to a stock that everybody knew about with great potential. But the, the money, the earnings, the profits are still a couple of years away. So people get bored and they move away. And I know Henry is... is you know, he's all over this concept as I've heard him talk about it before. And I think that's what happened to Betmakers. I think there's a great company here. I think it's very, very cheap um, at these levels. In fact, um, the, the CEO, uh, what's his name? I can't, it's it escaped me now. Todd Buckingham. Um, he, Todd Buckingham, that's it. He's just, he just uh, outlaid a lazy 200K uh, to buy the shares at 62 cents, which was the low. Um, so, you know, that's just after their quarterly updates. That's probably giving you an insight into what he thinks about it. I'm sure that's chump change for him, but it is a good indication that the right. stock is cheap. I can't get to a buy, though. I wish I could because the chart looks pretty terrible. Um, but if you had some speculative money, risk only bet, and you don't care about charts, you could buy it here. Okay. Henry? I don't care about charts, and I have got speculative <laughs> money, and I think this is a buy here. I have to say, I'm, I'm with Todd on this one. So uh, the, the problem that betmakers had, I mean, apart from the fact they're in a very competitive industry, uh, the problem they had is that they went from, uh, you know, a, a company that was unknown. They got on board a guy by the name of Matt Tripp, who uh, yeah. really turbocharged the price. And he talked a great trade about uh, turbocharging the company's business. And at one stage, they even made a tilt for Tabcorp's wagering division from memory, which had most analysts scratching their heads and going, yep. are you kidding? They big well, four on, million guys. for it. Uh, yeah. Well, that was the top as oh, well. That was just, top. just ridiculous. Yep. It, was just, it was just ridiculous. It's the sort of thing I do after a long lunch. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you bandy around the four billion sort of mark. So really and truly, that was the beginning of the end for them. Uh, having said that, the, the partnership with Tom Waterhouse is going very well, it seems. He's dragging in good business, uh, and Tom is a pretty smart operator from what I've heard. Uh, the company itself, as uh, Carl says, provides the back end, which is always a good place to be. Uh, you're not exposed to quite such the competition that, say, like PointsBet or BlueBet or those sorts of companies are in trying to pay 
uh, money to punters to join your platform and in, give them incentives to do that. I think this one's bottomed. I'm with Todd Buckingham. Uh, 60 cents looks like the bottom in this one. It's had a 10 or well, 11% rise today on the back of the uh, the Tom Waterhouse bringing in. I think it's about 8 million bucks in uh, in profits. And obviously he gets those options yeah. uh, that he may or may not be selling uh, once he exercises them. I'd be surprised, to be honest, if, if Tom would be selling at these kind of levels. Um, you know, he's clearly a, a big part of this business and uh, he's an ambitious guy. They've got a yeah. venture capitalist side of things which is what's been investing in this one. I like this one. I'm, it's a bit unfortunate that it's jumped 11% today. Um, but in the mid-60s, I think this is probably a bit of a screaming buy. Okay. All screaming right. buy. All right. Screaming buy. Um, screaming buy. Our, our fit stock, uh, Carly, wants to be on uh, Miso Blast. Um, you either love or hate mm. this stock. It's mm. a, a massive roller coaster. It treats yeah. inflammatory ailments, cardiovascular disease, got in the whole COVID theme as well. Uh, Henry, what's your view on, on mesoblast? Mm. Um, well, I have to say, I, I'm not a chartist. I don't really look at technical analysis, but this one is an absolute uh, pin-up boy for a declining disaster in the making and has been for so long now. It has had some, some spurts higher. I, I remember this was going to be the new big yep. thing, stem cells. This was going to rival uh, CSL, CSL uh, yep. in terms of the, uh, the the business. But the, the problem this one has is it just burns through so much money. And it has burnt through so much money in shareholders' funds. And shareholders just get a little bit sick and tired of it. And they really don't have a lot of revenue to show for it. Um, you know, the revenue that these guys had was pitiful. Um, in the last quarter, I think it was around three million. I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah, but it wasn't about three particularly and a half. huge. Um, and they burnt, yeah, and they burned through 20 million in in costs in a quarter. So this is not a great, you know, I'm I'm not brilliant at maths, but if uh, when you put one side of the ledger with three million coming in and 20 million going out, it doesn't take a genius to work out that you know, keep needing to have funding this uh, this company and they do that for through a variety of methods some are pretty detrimental to the share price in that uh, they've got supporters like oak tree capital mm. uh, which have been around for a long time and they, they provide funding options for them um, but it comes at a significant cost so i i just nah no nah. okay sorry guys <laughs> this is just wrong carl yeah fun. look i mean I love I love coming on on the call and I love looking at these um, these types of stocks and I think I've mentioned this many times. It's one of those stocks I would love to see succeed, right? I mean, it's, if they do, the upside for for so many people is fantastic. But there has to be an investment case for me to want to put my money in there or to tell think markets clients to do the same. And I just I'm with you, Henry. I can't do it as much as I tried to to love this one. Um, I can't. Yeah. So 100. Uh, they lost 100 million dollars last year. They've got 100 million dollars worth of debt. They're burning through 20 million dollars a quarter with with about 94 million left in the bank. Uh, it costs. It's expensive to do um, these trials. So they're in phase three. They've got so many phase three trials. You would think something's got to hit. But I think we're at the stage now with their financial position where a few things would need to hit. Uh, for it, for it to be, I um, almost almost said viable here. Um, so yeah, look, it's an avoid from me. And you know, it, 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 what's what also is great about the show is you get to get to compare different companies. We just talked about uh, a stock that has pulled back a lot. I mean, it's a, it's it's a fraction of its former former 
glory in terms of price, but has got such a great business behind it. And the, and the CEO is buying shares. Um, if yeah. you have some risk money to, to, to spend, and we're comparing two charts, which let's face it, both charts are terrible, which one would you buy? It's not going to be Mesoblast. You'd buy, you'd buy no. pet makers. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the five stocks uh, stock of the day. Amcor hold from uh, Henry and O from Carl uh, Macquarie Bank uh, for Jane wanting good growth, risk averse. Um, probably not for Jane because of the risk averse um, leg that she wants on it. Goodman Group and CSL would be better options according to Carl and Henry. Um, but for um, uh, other investors, Macquarie Bank is what Henry calls a forever stock, uh, one that you just keep in your portfolio and at these levels as well. Uh, Neo Metals a hold from uh, both Carl and Henry, but take some profits. You've had a great run up. Maybe get your investment back and, and let the rest run. Accent grew to be a yes from Henry, uh, a hold from Carl. Uh, bet makers, um, Carl can't quite get into it at the moment, um, but uh, for a speculative buy, if, you're, if you've got that risk appetite. Uh, Henry likes bet makers, it's up 11% today. Uh, if it comes back down to mid 60s, uh, he's definitely in and Miso Blast a no from both. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since we started in July 1 last year. Let's check how it's been performing. Uh, for the week, we're up just under 3% for the month six and three quarter percent since uh, July 2021. We're up three and a half percent since inception. First of July 2020, we're up almost 40 percent. Uh, before we get to our next five stocks, a quick update on the calls portfolio. On March the 1st, we'll be launching a brand new portfolio, a, a live fund that's high conviction with a much smaller basket of stocks. So how's that going to work? We're still going to be taking your requests and covering 11 stocks every day and asking our, our guests for a buy, hold or so, uh, sell. So consider that the first filter. If the stocks get a unanimous buy or sell recommendation, they go through to a new investment committee, which will meet monthly. That committee will decide whether to add or remove stocks from the fund, including changing the weightings. Now, the whole point of this is to give you more insights into how the gurus think, how the experts put together and construct a portfolio. So each month, there'll be an extra edition of the call where we will take you inside the investment committee's meeting, their discussions. You'll see how the funds tweaked if the committee needs more information, for example, we'll get the chief executives of portfolio companies on to answer their questions. So keep sending in your requests, call as usual, Current portfolio will stay as it is till the end of February, and then we'll take it the next step from the 1st of March. All right, that's really keen on that because it helps us understand how to, how to invest in strategy and, and get the different opinions. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, in this half hour, we're going to take a look at Perpetual, Breville, Double, Dubber, Brookside Energy and Metcash. 
Um, first up, Henry, Brett wants a view on Perpetual, the big investment manager. Ask very simply, would you prefer Pinnacle or Perpetual? Oh, um, good question. Uh, interestingly, uh, for those people who have watched The Wizard of Oz, it's sometimes always a, not a great idea to look behind the curtain sometimes. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see, to see the investment process uh, for real. Uh, sometimes uh, people may have a may have a vision of what uh, us supposed gurus do, but anyway, we'll see how that pans out. Perpetual or Pinnacle? Uh, I've got to say, I, 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 I like Perpetual. Um, I don't mind Pinnacle either. Um, Pinnacle's more a sort of a fund of funds. They invest in funds. Uh, both these companies are pretty much geared, as are all of these sort of financial uh, money managers to the strength in the market. Pinnacle's had a bit of a, a, a shoddy old ride recently, but it is showing signs of recovery. Perpetual has already shown some signs of that recovery. They've got about $102 billion under management, uh, Perpetual. But they're smart guys. Matt Sherwood is, is a smart guy around there. Um, I wouldn't be averse to buying both, but I think Pinnacle may have a little bit further to, uh, to head to go higher because okay. uh, it hasn't really had a bounce as yet. Perpetual just updated as well. Um, so maybe out of the two, I'd get skewed towards Pinnacle. Okay. Uh, but Perpetual is, uh, I think, is looking good as well. Uh, Carl? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty bit of a cheeky question from Brett, isn't it? He's asking <laughs> about two stocks in one. So I like, <laughs> I like his style there. <laughs> But uh, look, I looked at both companies, and I think yeah, Perpetual, it's again, horses for courses. So Perpetual is, uh, it's bigger. I think it's more diversified. I think it's better um, able to ride out the financial markets um, cycle than probably Pinnacle. Um, and it has a high dividend yield, a fully frank dividend yield. So I think Pinnacle's probably more for your risk averse um, income investor. Pinnacle, they're a bit more dynamic, they're a bit more savvy, um, they're looking more for alpha, whereas uh, Perpetual's more sort of a value investor. Uh, so, but better growth, that's a, that's a thing. Lower dividend yield, but higher growth. Um, looking at the valuations and total shareholder returns, they were very close. Um, so with the, with the better growth, Pinnacle's probably got more upside, but then it's got a slightly lower yield. Perpetual had slightly less upside, but a higher yield. Pinnacle just pipped it for me. If I had to compare these two companies and I was forced to buy one over the other, I'd just pick Pinnacle on that okay. basis. Having said that, neither chart is looking good right now, so they are not officially a buy for me. Okay. Um, Carl Mason wants a view on Breville, the big uh, kitchen appliance manufacturer. Uh, biggest shareholder is Solomon Lou's Premier Investments. Um, what do you think of Breville? Yeah, look, it's a company we've liked for a long time because, as I said, we're more of those sort of growth-oriented investors and Breville um, has had some some great growth over the last uh, few years and yeah, particularly, obviously, during COVID. So it's been one of those, you know, few stocks that have benefited from this pandemic. The only question, there's the, there's the pause in breath, the only question going forward is um, how hard are things going to get? So I'm a little bit sort of in the accent uh, one basket with this. I am getting concerned about their ability to continue to manage um, some of these supply chain issues. And I thought we would have been, I thought we we're going to be through through these by now. That's how naive I am, but I'm kind of getting the feeling that maybe this is more of a medium term thing rather than a short term thing. They have been very good at managing that up to this point. Uh, but if you look at their sort of uh, most recent commentary, it's just starting to creep in that, um, you know, there, there are potentially some issues there. So um, I, 
I'm a little bit torn on this one. I think if you've got it, absolutely, it's a hold because there is there is just a fantastic business there with great growth in it, assuming things go right. But I've just had to up my mm. uh, my risk level. So I've you know obviously as analysts we have a, have a have a discount rate that we apply to our models, and I've just been sort of ratcheting that up a bit. Um, I, I think there's still a little bit in it. We've got a fair value target at 32.66, so that's about 12% upside. Um, it's we're a little bit better than the brokers. Um, Okay. Just the, the chart's 50-50. Uh, I'm going to go hold. I'm, I'm not quite a buy on this one. All right. Henry? Um, I'm not sure how many coffee makers the world needs, really. <laughs> um, clearly a winner from uh, from, from lockdowns. Um, I, I'll keep this short and sweet. For me, this is an avoid just at the moment. There are supply chain issues. There are cost pressures in, in the, uh, the technology that goes into their appliances. Uh, the market here is saturated. It is based on international growth. Great company, great products. Uh, Solidly is a great operator, but you know, it's just for me, it's just a little bit uncertain out there, sure. and there's probably better opportunities elsewhere. Okay, um, Henry Stephen wants a view on Dubber, the uh, the big voice recording uh, company. Um, yeah, this one's. I mean, this has been a, a meteoric fall. This is uh, this has been one of those Icarus stocks that's flown way too close to the sun. Was above four bucks and has now halved in that uh, in the tech sell-off we've seen. The, the results were out the other day, or the quarterly update were were pretty impressive actually, yeah. and uh, um, they were um, eighty-two really percent increase in recurring in. revenue. Yeah, but um, they're still trading on less than nine times EV to annual um, revenues. Um, recurring revenues, so um, it, it was a kind of a ho hum for this one. It did have a bit of a bounce yesterday, but it's coming off today. I think it's trying to find a bottom, the dub yeah. bottom, but um, I'm not sure it's just yet. I think we could see it uh, if we do see the tech uh, sell off continue uh, elsewhere, then we may see this one down to a dollar sixty, in which case I think it would be a buy. Here it's probably a hold only because it's fallen so far so fast and that uh, quarterly update was relatively okay so uh, yeah. i know uh, one or two analysts have got big big valuations um, but uh, i'd like to see a bit more uh, a bit more of a recovery in the share price before i got on board uh carl yeah i think that quarterly report i think um, people just a little bit worried about um the, whilst the annualised revenue was up, the revenue was was a bit the revenue growth. So it's still growing, but just grew at a slower rate. Um, cash receipts were down, but they said there's sort of seasonal factors and and one large um, customer. So I'm just, I'm trying to find the negatives in it, but um, otherwise, you know, it was it was it was pretty good. Uh, look, we we really like this company. We think this this it's just such great products. So if you don't know what they do, um, they basically uh, it's a software as a service model where you know um, like an Optus uh, or a BT in the UK. Uh, can um, allow their clients to monitor or record uh, any any voice uh, conversations, so much like what we're doing right now. So everything we're, we're saying would be recorded, and then yeah. after the fact, you can go and search. So let's say I wanted to get exactly to the point where uh, I, I talked about Dubber, uh, and, and or extract that into text, or you know, um, yeah. or, you know, or search how many times something was said. Uh, you know, let's say we're, we're listening to Jerome Powell or something. How many times he said, uh, you know, uh, quantitative easing? Um, I'm just using examples to get to give people an idea of how sophisticated this kit is and how, how neat it is. And you know, the the the, the, the we talk about total addressable market. Well, the total addressable market uh, is everybody that has uh, one of one of these things here, essentially, yeah. uh, because a lot of your your your, your 
carriers are going to add this functionality um, for, 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 for users to be able to you know, um, record and, and search uh, that, that, that information. So, so it just huge, huge upside and a great product. So uh, look, I love it on that basis. Um, it's just about um, when rubber meets the road and, and profits start to come and then uh, getting getting the stock at a reasonable valuation. So Dubber is like uh, Neo Metals, like Bet uh, Makers was, potentially even like Mesoblast. Nobody knew about it and it had this great, um, this great uh, concept. Um, and then everybody knew about it and it had this great concept, but the price went up 10 times. Yep. And then people got bored because the, the, the earnings are still a long way out and, and the stock the stock comes down again. That's where we are right now. But there is a fantastic underlying business. I'm with Henry. I, I think it's getting very cheap here. I think it could go a little bit lower. We've, got, we've, we've pegged around 150 is that point where you would just buy it and not look at the chart, um, which yeah. is kind of that, that uh, pet makers thing. Um, so it's not a buy yet if you've got it and you're prepared to you know, endure that downside before you might get some upside, um, then hold it. But otherwise, definitely keep an eye on this okay. one, 150 it's on, a bargain. Put it on your watch list. Um, yep. Carl Brookside Energy um, is a suggestion from David to look at Perth-based, your neck of the woods, uh, developing yeah. <laughs> oil and gas plays. Yeah, Perth-based Perth in a sense, but really all of their business is over in Oklahoma in the United States where they're, um, they're you know, if you, you, you watch these uh, American movies, anything about oil, and they've got those big um, oil rigs that uh, sort of with the, 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 the levers going up and down. That's exactly what these guys are doing, that style of uh, drilling. It's a, a shale deposit over there. Um, lots of um, lots of players uh, in that area. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's been producing oil uh, in that area since, since the 70s. Uh, they they purchased a, a bunch of wells earlier uh, last year, uh, which are giving them some revenue. They've just sputtered one called Jewel. Uh, they've got three perspectives, so Jewel, Ranger, and I want to say Flames is the, is, the, is the other one as the three new plays. Potentially about you know 12 million barrels of oil. They're currently pulling 1,600 barrels of oil out of um, Jewel. Um, uh, Ranger's uh, has, has been cased. They reckon they'll get some production to do some testing there. Uh, Flames is yet to be drilled. So they're going to make money, um, but uh, here's, a, here's the probably the most important number I'll give you today is 2.85 um, billion shares i think it is billion shares on issue that's right uh so any money they do make is going to be really spread quite thinly i reckon they're probably trading around about 10 times earnings which sounds cheap but having said that it's too small uh it's 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 shale is marginal uh, i it's something that retail investors would look at and go oh this is great i'm going to buy it but i just don't think institutional investors are going to get involved so then you've got to look at the chart and say well how much um can the retail investors move this chart and my guess yeah. would be not a whole lot Okay, yeah. two cent stock. Uh, without that institutional money, I don't think it's going to go no. anywhere. I'll give you look uh, a little. If you're looking for a little specky um, oil play, that's also based in Perth. Perth based, in fact, they're in and around where Beach Petroleum is producing. It's Norwest Energy, so ticket code NWE. That's kind of your bonus buy. Um, that's a really nice chart. I've been tweeting about that one. Um, they've they're, okay. uh, also got um, a well that's uh, just been drilled in. They're doing some testing. I reckon they'll get some production out of it, uh, and and plenty uh, potentially okay. to go. Uh, but it is a micro cap. I like Beach Petroleum. I think the chart's sitting up there. Karoo still looks good and dare I say Santos and Woodside if you've got them hang on to them as well mm, okay that would be good for my little super fun uh, Henry what do you think of uh, uh, a brook Brookside Energy uh, uh, I think Carl said it all and more yep. um, really and truly two cents nap all those okay. shares around really right. not, not for me uh, and our final stock Pat wants a view um, Henry on Metcash the uh, 
the big grocery, liquor, food distribution area, Mitre 10, IGO, uh, IGA, Bottle Celebration, Duncan's, Foodland, they sort of distribute all the food and grog to them. Uh, Total Tools as well, oh. um, which has been uh, a, recent, a recent acquisition. Uh, so um, that one has been a, a good acquisition for them. They are betting that one down, but uh, you know they've bounced off the four buck level. Um, I think this is probably it's it's got a lot of defensive qualities. The IGA side of things, the, the that side of things, the liquor business, the grocery business. It's got the Mitre 10 as well. I, I don't mind this one, but again, it's not the most exciting stock in the world. It's probably, you know, 410, you could get it back up to 440, 450 uh, on, on, in a good market. It has that potential. Uh, Total Tools, I think, and Mitre 10 are the drivers of this business. But um, yeah, I think here it's a weak buy for a 10% move higher. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, I love those weak buys. A lot of conviction uh, in that one. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty similar. Again, horses for courses. So it's more for your defensive investor looking for income. It's not for your growth investor. You know, five percent fully franked yield and a pretty solid business. A little bit of growth there coming in mainly from the tools and the liquor. So just to give a, a very little bit of background. So all of their food business. Um, you know, obviously, it, you know, it's about 80% of their revenues, but in terms of their profits, the other stuff, liquor and hardware, which of course, higher margin, it's making as much money for them as all of their food business. So yeah. um, that, that's, that's what you've got to look for if you're a current investor. I think it, there's definitely enough in there to hold it, but it is not a buy for yeah. me. Carl Kaplan here from Think Markets. Appreciate your time on this Wednesday. Enjoy the middle of the week uh, uh, and the rest of the week as well. Thanks very much. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to have you on, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Koshi. Thanks, uh, Thanks, guys. Let's just recap the final five stocks. Uh, Perpetual versus Pinnacle. Um, uh, Henry likes both of them, but with a skew towards Pinnacle. Um, the same with Carl Breble. Uh, a no from Henry. It's a hold from Carl. Uh, Dubber, it's a hold from both of them. It's getting down to territory that they think it could be, as they said, a screaming buy. If it got down to $1.50, $1.60, it's pretty close to that. It's had a drubbing, uh, but a really good business. They both like the business. Put it on your watch list. Not at the moment, but if it got to the $1.50, $1.60, have a look. Uh, Brookside, a no from both. If you want a small microcap oil and gas uh, producer, um, Carl really likes Norwest. Um, at the moment and likes the charts with Woodside and Santos as well if you're in those two giants. Uh, Matt Cash, uh, a, a weak buy if you're looking for a defensive stock. Uh, that's it for, uh, for the call for this Wednesday. Um, if you'd like any stocks for our um, panel to look at, put them in an email for us to call at osbiz.com today or tweet us using the at TV handle. See all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbit.co forward slash portfolio. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. 
It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.